Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Carrie Geed from Orlando, Florida. She's one of the owners of Eola Eyes. And Dr. Geed has just returned from a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. What might be a little unusual is I understand you took your entire family. Tell us about that trip, Dr. Geed. Thanks for having me. And we did just return this week from a trip to the Dominican Republic. My husband, who's also an OD, joined me on this trip as he has before. And our kids have joined us before as well. Um, at this point, our kids are 11, 13, and 15 years old. And so they're getting to an age where they can, can truly assist and participate in the clinic on some level and also just engage with the uh, local people that we go there to serve. And it's a great family project. It's a great fit for our family since both my husband and I are ODs, and uh, we love doing this kind of work together. That's so interesting. Have all your trips been to the same village? We've always partnered with the same group, uh, the, a missionary group down in the Dominican Republic, and then they help coordinate our actual clinic sites. So uh, we have returned to some of the same sites in in repetitive or recurring years, but mostly we go to different sites when we go. Um, We fly into Santo Domingo and we're usually within a couple hours of there on any given day. Uh, We sometimes are are in more urban areas, sometimes much more remote and rural, Uh, but ultimately the the U.S.-based missionaries that are permanently stationed in the DR help us find the clinic sites and help us find the needs. So it's it's a great partnership with them because they really, um, you know, are the feet on the ground to know where where our services are are best utilized. And what made you decide this is something I should bring my kids to? Well, you know, I think service is really just a core value for our family and whether that be local things, whether it be eye care and optometric related things or not, um, that's just really woven into the fabric of who we are and and really an expectation of our kids and, and our family from our perspective as parents. The very first trip I did five years ago, I took my daughter to, uh, she was she was in fourth grade at the time. She's now a sophomore in high school. Uh, so she joined me and, and uh, we went down with some other friends, some optometric friends and other just lay people who were, were uh, happy to help, not necessarily experienced in this field, but just happy to, to do what they could. And so we started going. And then as the years went by, my husband joined us and the boys who are younger joined us. Initially, my husband was kind enough to stay back and, and be the child care provider while I took our, our daughter on the earliest trips when the boys were just a little young to, to be involved there. Um, but as the years went by, it's just, just been something that we've been all been able to participate in. And, and it's been a great, great project and really just kind of takes us outside of our local community and, you know, areas that are outside of our physical and cultural comfort zones at times, but, you know, it really stretches us and, and grows us and, and our, you know, perspective and appreciation and our faith and everything. So what do you do to prepare your kids for the things that they'll, that they'll see and the things that they'll need to do while they're there to help you? So I'll admit there's not really a whole lot of specific conversations in advance. We just kind of dive in and, and every day is different down there. So 
we just adapt as we go. But I think they understand the basic premise of, of providing refractive vision care services. We don't do a lot of medical services at this point, but they, they do support things in the clinic, everything from helping us shuffle patients from one station to another. They help with visual acuity. We have translators that help us communicate with the patients because our Spanish is is uh, fairly weak. Mine especially, my husband's is pretty good. Uh, but we do have a great team down there that helps us in terms of communications. But the kids will uh, help take visual acuity. So we do kind of talk through the the uh, role there. They'll do things like we provide sunglasses, non-RX Plano sunglasses and eyeglass cases for patients. And they're very able to, to kind of help facilitate that, maintain stock. We don't put everything out at one time because that creates chaos. And you, you know, we have some behavioral conversations, I suppose, to, to, you know, set the groundwork or remind them on those kind of things. Um, and some days, you know, they're really just, if there's a lot of kids around the clinics, I mean, I think uh, on one day of our trip this week, we, you know, they spent the day playing soccer and making bracelets with the kids there and didn't really participate in the clinic. And that was great too. That, that sounds, that sounds great because I have to think that the people who come to these clinics are really a, across the board, all ages, and it's hard to wait in line. Yeah, that, that is true. And sometimes they are there a couple hours. It's not usually you know, all day or eight hours, but, but they can be there a while waiting to get through the line and the system that we have set up. Right. And what, what is the system that you have set up? I mean, what's sort of a typical encounter? They come, we have kind of a big waiting area with benches and so forth. And um, they have a registration area where they'll check the patients in, they'll, you know, get their name, date of birth, um, you know, a little bit of history about what their challenges are, far vision, near vision, right eye, left eye, you know, other complaints they may have that, that may relate to what we can address. Um, and, you know, then they'll, then they'll be logged in at that point and then they'll, they'll kind of go through our stations, which <clears throat> really just include um, a few, few things. We, like I said, because we're doing mainly refractive vision care and not as much with eye health care on our clinic sites. Um, you know, they'll do visual acuity. Uh, we'll have a refractive uh, station where they do auto refractor and, and uh, retinoscopy, and uh, then they go to the optical area where we give them glasses. Is the instrumentation down there, or do you bring it with you? What do you carry down with you? Uh, we we bring it at this point. We did have an old auto refractor that was down there, and then I would bring handheld instruments like a retinoscope and lenses and so forth when I would come. We just were really fortunate to have some some support from a couple corporate sponsors that helped us purchase a new auto refractor that's a Retinomax, which is a handheld portable device. And um, I'll take that down there as I go on trips and then also be able to use it domestically and locally with uh, project uh, projects I'm involved with here. In addition to bringing some equipment with you, you you also obviously bring a lot of eyewear with you. How does that work? We do. And I get a lot of glasses from my patients who donate them. But uh, in all honesty, many of those are myopic prescriptions and we see a lot more hyperopia and astigmatism. So I need another source for glasses. And I think if anybody's going to do a project like this, that's a, a key, a very key part of the whole equation. Um, and so we get our recycled glasses through the Lions Club, um, Lions Club International. You know, this is a big part of their mission is to to 
prevent blindness and provide eyeglasses to people in need. And the Lions collects the glasses. They have a partnership with the with the uh, prison system where the prisoners are actually trained as a job in prison to clean, verify, and, and uh, label the glasses. And so, um, you know, they're sorted and, you know, the, the ones that are, are broken or you know, the lenses are very scratched or whatever, all discarded. Um, the frames are actually recycled, I should say. Um, and there's a system for that as well in terms of not creating waste. But the glasses that are in good condition are, are taken down to the prison and the prisoners do a lot of the, the work for us. And then they're brought back to a large warehouse in a suburb of Orlando um, where they're they're categorized and they're put in boxes. The, they're categorized by the sphere power of the right eye. So um, everything's logged that way, which creates some interesting challenges when you have very uneven prescriptions right and left or whatnot. But at any rate, it's as good a system as any. Um, and they're not cataloged in any kind of database, to be honest. It's just they're just put in boxes and in a very organized system of boxes. Um, and so we go into that warehouse and it takes quite a few hours of an advance of the trip of prepping and pulling glasses. But we go through these boxes and we pull um, lots of lenses and or lots of glasses that we need to take on our trip. We usually end up taking anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 glasses on a trip. Um, we have some down there. We do have some storage abilities down in the DR, so we, we kind of keep adding to our coffers that way. Uh, there are options now to purchase spherical glasses that are ready-made. You can buy glasses in bulk out of China, um, and certainly there are organizations that do that. Um, the challenge is, is that especially in the population that we serve, there is a lot of astigmatism. Um, it is great to have new glasses, and that's what you can get through these uh, methods and means from China, which which is certainly you know a valuable option, but it doesn't meet the needs of a lot of our patients specifically. Um, it would certainly be my goal, and I know Vosh has started this um, in the last five years. At least some of the trips have done this, where they, they actually take lenses and do some uh, – manufacturing or edging on site within the clinics. Um, it certainly takes a, a larger team and some specific skills and, and things to do that and obviously more equipment. Um, but that would certainly be a goal to take a selection of frames down and, um, and be able to create custom prescriptions for our patients and not provide recycled glasses, which, you know, have, have their own challenges because oftentimes you're not being able, you're not able to find the quite the exact prescription or, um, you know, the, the frames, obviously they are used, so you're not sure of the, the overall integrity of that frame and the, the life expectancy of it and so forth. So there are lots of, of opportunities for us to do this better. Um, and in fact, there are some criticisms by organizations that are saying, you know, for all the resources we pour into getting a team down to provide recycled glasses, you know, we should put those resources into developing um, sustainable models within the community. Um, that we are serving, which I think is is a very very valid point. It would be much better to to you know teach these communities how to provide these services for themselves and provide you know an opportunity for their local economy to grow. And you know we obviously come in for a short time, we're there a, a few days, and then we're gone. And what if the glasses break, or what if something else happens? So, you know, there's there's obvious challenges to this model that we you know that we are employing. Every doctor whom I've spoken to about going on a mission trip is, is sort of uh, awed by the, or humbled by the experience. Do your children get the depth of, of meaning out of these trips? You know, I think that's a great question. And I, 
always hope and pray that they'll they'll get a lot out of this. I think, quite honestly, a first trip for anybody, especially a kid, um, it's a lot to take in. And I think it's it really is the repetitive, you know, trips and so forth that where it really starts to to click in new and different ways. Um, I have some friends who who grew up doing mission trips and and they have often told me that while they didn't necessarily get it as a kid, as they got older, they really looked back on those memories and those experiences and and got a lot more out of them, which I think as parents, we probably hope our kids do in, in a lot of different ways, whether that be, you know, just some of the basic things we teach them at home or, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, I hope that as, as time goes on, they, they are touched in, in various ways. I think at times there are things I don't specifically think of, you know, you want your kids to appreciate, go there and appreciate what they have and, and how good we have it here. And, and definitely some of that happens, but I think there are little moments, um, where they may take in just a very specific experience with a, a person or a, a patient in clinic or whatever. And it's, it, it just touches their heart in some way that I didn't necessarily even expect. Um, you know, I think beyond just a gaining the perspective and appreciation of how fortunate we are to have our basic needs met here, everything from clean water and nutritious food and a stable shelter and, you know, beds that are comfortable and all of those things. Those are great lessons, especially for this time of year, too. Um, do do they talk about this with their with their friends when they come back, do you think? One of the main reasons we talk about it is to kind of just break down some of those perceived barriers that it that it's such a stretch to do this. And, um, you know, certainly there are people that sacrifice far more than us to go for much greater time, lengths of time and much further distances where you might have to have, you know, really a, a whole host of vaccinations and things and those kind of things we haven't had to face. I mean, it's, it's, there's not a lot that you have to do physically or health wise to prepare for a trip to, to the Caribbean and, and, uh, most areas closer to the Americas. Um, but at any rate, you know, I think the talking about it, whether it be with the kids or, or even with our adult friends, you know, that's really one of my goals. It's, it's certainly never to be perceived as, as the hero or the, the person that's, Oh, look at me, I'm doing so much good. It's really just that, that just regular people can do this. It's, it's really not that hard. It's not, um, you know, it, it is a sacrifice that you have to prioritize financially and with your time. Um, but it's, it really is very, doable for, for people. And, and that's probably one of the main messages I'd want to send. Now, do your patients know about this? Yes, our patients, I think at least to some extent are aware and, and that comes from a few different sources or levels. Uh, we do talk about it to some extent within the practice. You know, I think uh, it's important for patients to know that we give back. And, and while it's not my goal to ever be in the spotlight or be sort of honored or celebrated that I, I'm doing this kind of work. That's not the goal. I think that um, there are a lot of companies and sometimes even big competitors to us, online uh, retailers of eyewear and so forth, um, that really do build that into their business model and that that touches patients. They think, oh, wow, I really want to buy Tom's shoes or perhaps even Warby Parker eyeglasses or, or whatnot because those companies have a model that that gives back. And that's so much a part of our model. And we do so many things locally and, and things like this Dominican trip um, that I think it is important for people to know they want to support businesses that are, are doing that and, and uh, 
you know, so I think that part, we try to make them aware um, through our social media and, and other things that just organically come up in conversations within the office. Um, and then the other big thing um, in terms of how our patients are aware is that we do take glasses to be recycled and repurposed. And as patients are giving us those glasses, you know, we, we try to make it known how those glasses are being used. And, um, you know, when we put, you know, on our Instagram or Facebook or whatnot, you know, we, we not only put that, oh, this is what we're doing, but this is how your glasses, you're, you're helping us and, and thank you for helping us in this work. So we try to get our patients feeling connected and engaged in that way. You mentioned work more locally too. What what kind of efforts um, do you and the doctors at ELIs get involved with? Um, we do a few different things. Even within our practice, we partner with a number of local charitable organizations, organizations that serve, for example, kids in foster care, um, youth within the school system who uh, you know are just less fortunate, unable to to have access to medical care, eyeglasses or so forth. Um, and through other organizations that also serve adults that are in need, people trying to get back on their, their feet, um, for whatever reason. And, and that's something we can sometimes do right through our practice. We will see patients at no charge and provide eyeglasses at, at our cost and no charge to them. Um, and that's facilitated through a, a whole variety of different nonprofit partnerships that we have where the social workers or the uh, directors within those organizations will screen the patients. They'll, they'll find someone in need and, and connect them with our practice. So, you know, we do that, which is, is really a fairly easy way to serve because we can do that within the context of our practice. And um, it also provides patients with the best quality experience because those patients are going to get a very comprehensive exam and, um, you know, we'll, we'll connect with other organizations locally if that patient does have other uh, medical conditions to try to refer them out uh, for care. And there's a number of, of organizations we can work with to do that. So it can provide a, a really comprehensive, high quality experience for the patient. Um, I do a number of other things. There's a, a clinic at our uh, local health department that's run through our county, um, and the Lions Club has a clinic there once a month that I uh, rotate into, you know, a, a few times a year, and we serve patients, many of whom are in drug rehab and, and are homeless or trying to get back, um, you know, back on their feet, and we'll see patients at that clinic. I also am working with the University of Central Florida Medical School, and I work with them on some outreach clinics, and we go to an area in a suburb just about a half hour outside of Orlando that has a large migrant farm worker population, and uh, we do exams and provide all kinds of medical care. They do, um, you know, full body health care with the med students there. So anyway, there's a, a, a lot of opportunities without, you know, without leaving home to to do things here. When did this um, concept of, of service as a fundamental part of what you do become established within the, the sort of practice mission? Well, services, while the word service isn't per, in our mission statement, we do say that we uniquely care for our staff and our patients in our community. And, and that you know, that was very intentionally written to, to serve a broad definition of how we care for people and how we care for our community um, and our staff and so forth. And, um, you know, I don't know that I could, could pinpoint a moment. I think that, uh, you know, I don't know how I was so fortunate, what, you know, how I ended up 
in this place and time. And, and optometry has been such a great career for me. Uh, I've worked hard, but it's, it's reaped rewards that I would never would have imagined on a lot of different levels. And, um, I've just been so blessed to be in the position I've been in to, to be able to give back. And to me, that's just what I'm called to do. I mean, you know, for me, it's maybe comes from a little bit more of a, you know, a faith background, um, personally, but as a practice, I think, you know, everyone in our practice, that's just who we are. And I don't know, again, that there was a moment in time where we defined that, but I think, you know, my original partner, Bridget Williams, who I founded the practice with 15 years ago, uh, both, uh, both Bridget and myself, we came from very working class type backgrounds growing up in other States and areas where, uh, we didn't necessarily grow up, you know, without the basic necessities, but we certainly didn't have a lot of excesses or things. And, and we just know what it's like to work hard and, and we want to support, support others in that and, and give back because we've been so, so blessed and rewarded for what we've done. Thank you so much for, for sharing that story. There's so many great reminders in, in there for this season. And, uh, you know, it's a, a, a feel-good story about, uh, you know, the impact of optometry, not just locally, but around the world. Dr. Gade, thanks again for your time. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.